This is Sarah McLaughlin, and you are watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. My name's Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 45, for Friday, December 16th, 2011. Well, today, I'm so excited to bring you an interview with writer and script consultant, Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin has written for That 70s Show, for South Park, and Drop Dead Diva, among others, and also she runs the website tvscriptdoctor.com, where she does script consulting for television and features. And you, you would do well to check out the site. She's got a great blog there and also a description of the features that she offers to TV writers who want to be and also actually existing TV writers as well. Sarah has also worked as a script evaluator and creative consultant for the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop and the Disney ABC Writers Fellowship. And in her interview, she has lots of great wisdom about submitting your writing for those fellowship programs. And you can also follow her on Twitter at TV Script Doctor. Pretty easy to remember. Before we get to the interview, just a couple of news items. One of them is a reminder of your homework. Don't forget to read Bite Size Television by Ross Brown. You can get that at the tvwriterpodcast.com site. And uh, it's pretty inexpensive. A great, great book. And read that over the holidays. Submit your questions for Ross Brown's interview by January 1st. And you just might win an insider's guide to TV's hottest market, Reality TV by Troy DeVold. Troy, of course, will be on the podcast soon. So be good to buy that book anyway and get your questions in for that one. You know what? There's going to be another contest for that one, too. Won't talk about that yet, but there will be. Um, uh, there won't be any video tips this week. Uh, I had some technical issues actually upgrading my systems this week, and so uh, there will be another one next week. But for now, let's move on to my interview with Sarah McLaughlin. Enjoy. This is Gray, and I'm here with writer and script consultant Sarah McLaughlin. How you doing, Sarah? I'm doing great. I'm so thankful you could come on because I do think you have a lot of wisdom to share, particularly with regard to fellowships and consulting in general. We'll get to that a little bit later. First, uh, it's always fascinating to hear about how people broke into the industry. So why don't you take us back to where you grew up when you first got the writing bug and how you broke in? I grew up in New York, just outside of New York City. I had a strange upbringing. I actually wasn't allowed to watch television growing up. So mm -hmm. I think that ultimately led to my fascination about this medium that I was, was like forbidden and it was the forbidden fruit. So, uh -huh. and so I didn't, I don't have any references to like, you know, eighties and nineties TV shows. I wasn't allowed to watch any of them. So my parents thought like a lot of the subjects were a little bit too fresh because mm -hmm. we come from a Irish Catholic conservative family. So, <laughs> um, so then when uh, I was in high school, we got a video camera. And so I was obsessed with like creating like little movies or recording every you know moment of my life on the cameras. And uh, that kind of inspired my, my interest in television. Um, I was allowed to watch the news. That was the only thing I was allowed to watch with my parents. Uh -huh. So, so I thought maybe TV news would be a great place for me to go. And I went to the University of Colorado for, um, for I went to the School of Journalism, and I got a, a, my bachelor's in journalism. And I 
then moved out to LA and I just started like kind of working my way up and I, I didn't really know anyone or have any connections, but you know, you just kind of get out here and start meeting people. And I ultimately got a production assistant job on the last season of Home Improvement. Oh, cool. Which was a Tim Allen, yeah, Tim Allen show, ABC. And that was like, I knew then and there that I was in love with television. Like I wanted to be around the creative process. I wanted to be on the set. I wanted to be making people laugh. So when I initially was like, I want to work in television, I, I didn't know necessarily what I wanted to do. And so it was through my experience as a production assistant that I got more clarity in what everyone's roles were on a mm. TV show. Yeah. And it narrowed down for me exactly what that I wanted to be a writer. I mean, I'd done journalism in college, but I thought maybe I'd be a producer. I mean, to be honest, I think like a lot of people, I didn't really know what any of the titles meant. You know, mm-hmm. there's like a ton of different titles and you're like, I don't know what any of these mean. And so while I was a production assistant, I really used that time wisely to like talk to everybody at Disney Studios from like the marketing person to writers to the producers and production. And it really helped me narrow down like that. I really wanted to write and I wanted to be part of the creative process. Mm. And you read a lot of scripts as well at that time. I read a ton of scripts. Um, Not only did I read for the development people in the company, so a lot of the spec scripts that would come in for people who wanted to be writers. And I I did that more for research. I wasn't, you know, being consulted for anything, but, and then, uh, and then I would read every single draft that came out of like the new script. And, and I'm not sure how much you know, or your listeners know, but the, during the Monday through Friday production week of a sitcom, there's constantly new drafts coming out, sometimes an entirely different draft from the draft before that's going to be filmed that week. Wow. So it was just kind of an exciting time to be able to read all those scripts and learn and see what, you know, who changed, you know, why did this storyline change and why is this joke changed and, you know, why is this person no longer in a scene and kind of analyzing the scripts and why the, cha- the writers made the changes they did. Mm-hmm. And so how did that lead in or, or did that lead in to, I understand you did a fellowship at Warner Brothers, the uh, the writer's workshop there? Yeah. So I was really lucky to get into this. It's a pretty exclusive uh, workshop, the writing fellowship. And what happened was, so once I decided that I was going to be a writer, I took a class at UCLA and I wrote my first spec script. I wrote a friend's. And uh, I would love to pull it out right now and read it because I'm sure it's most, mo- much like most people's first scripts, they're, you know, a horror show. Uh-huh. Um, but you got to get that first one done. And then I started writing other scripts and submitted to the fellowship. And the first year I got an interview, but I didn't get in. And then the second year I got in. Hmm. Um, and it was a great 10-week, kind of like a class. Like you would go for three hours every Wednesday during lunch and they would have – current showrunners and um, creative executives at Warner Brothers come in and speak to you and talk to you about the process. And for the writers, they would come in and talk about what works in a writer's room, what doesn't work, you know, what they value in story or reading spec scripts. Um, And it was a great learning experience um, all around from like even some of the creative executives about how they have to give notes to the writers keeping in mind the Warner Brothers brand and mm-hmm. the network brand and all those factors that go into, you know, writing. It's not just, I want to write a script and put it on the air. There's so many other factors that come in from all different levels. Mm. So you've finished this 10-week course. Now, I understand a lot of the fellowships try to place you in shows. Was this uh, one of those kinds of fellowships? It was. Yeah, it was. It was just, I was one of those seasons that they didn't have many shows. <laughs> like I just kind oh, of, no. I tend to have bad timing in my yeah. life. It's been a story in my life. It's plagued me. But it was one of those years that Warner Brothers didn't get a lot of shows picked up. And 
at the time, I was a writer's assistant on that 70s show, and they had given me the opportunity to write a script Mm -hmm. on my own to be produced for the show. And so I was kind of on that path, and I was thinking I'd get, you know, hired on there. And ultimately, I ended up getting hired on there. So I'm glad I I actually didn't, you know, get staffed on a, a show. But yeah, it was happening one of the seasons at Warner Brothers. Now, typically, Warner Brothers has a ton of shows, but it was like that one year that like they had one show picked up, you know. And so you were there because uh, you were an assistant around 2001-ish, and then you were there until yeah. 2005, 2006? No, so I kind of took a different path. So um, in 2001, they created a new show called That 80 Show, mm-hmm. and so they put me on as a staff writer for that because they didn't have any room at the time on 70 Show for a new writer. Oh, I see. But they wanted okay. to keep me in, in the family. Mm-hmm. So I was a staff writer on that show that only lasted 13 episodes. And then then it was canceled. And once it's canceled, everyone goes their separate ways. Mm -hmm. And then I went on, I got a job on What I Like About You, which is the WB, Mm -hmm. um, which is now the CW. And it was a half hour with Jenny Garth and Amanda Bynes. And over the course of that job, that whole season, we were were picked up for the whole season. And I wasn't... I wasn't very happy there mm-hmm. um, for a number of political reasons. I, I don't really play the political game, and I wasn't a fan of how the politics were impacting me. I was like, I just want to write jokes. I don't know I, what's all this like drama going on. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of it. So the showrunners of that 70s show were like, why don't you come back over here? We just got picked up for three years. Wow. Um, and yeah, and so I was like, done. And so I started over back there and... It was just like a great homecoming, and I love all the writers on that show. We had it was like a big family. I mean, having a show that goes on for eight years, it's like, and all the writers pretty much stayed on, you know, the entire run. Wow! That it's just like you become this big family, and all like all the writers that started as single men in the beginning, eight years later, were married, had kids, bought wow. BMWs, bought houses. You know, and they, they used to live in crappy apartments in West Hollywood, and now they have, you know, a great huge house in Encino, and so it's just. It's fun to be your, to see that growth because as a TV writer, you don't generally have that you know that opportunity that often to be in a long running show anymore. Hmm, for sure. And and you worked with Kristen Newman on that show too, didn't you? I did. She's one of my good great friends. Oh, cool! I I just had her on the podcast a few episodes ago. Oh, she is. I'm sure you loved her energy. She's oh yeah. Just like, yeah, she's awesome, and uh, she's one of the most talented writers I've ever worked with. So I've been really lucky. She had a show. I'm not sure if she talked to you about this, but she had a show on ABC that was picked up. Hmm. She had me come in right on that. And it would only last, I think we were only in pre-production for 10 weeks before it ended up not going forward. But yeah, I think she's a she's one to watch in this industry for sure. And she's actually working on another pilot now with Craig DiGregorio. Yeah, who's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very cool. So that 70s show, you were there, I mean, eight seasons, so you were there kind of the back half-ish? Yeah, yeah. And then it was South Park. I did. It was very brief. People were like, oh, you want to talk? I guess you go on my IMDb, and I don't even know how it got up there, but uh-huh. it was a very brief, very brief South Park experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, what I learned from that takeaway is that I'm not seriously disturbed enough to work on that show <laughs> for a long term. Uh-huh. And that's really all I can say about my experience on South Park. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I mean, it's pretty neat. I mean, that 70s show in South Park were two very different kinds of comedy and you were able to see both worlds totally and what was really cool was um you know i'm a fan of south park as is everyone and these mm-hmm. guys actually they were um in colorado at the university of colorado when they were older than me but they were still there when i was a freshman huh. and um so what's cool is like in the writer's room in 70 show we would pitch jokes in the voice of fez so someone would put on a funny fez voice or 
someone would put on, you know, Kitty's kind of high-pitched, funny voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are actually hearing Matt and Trey pitch the joke lines in the actual voices of the characters, because oh, they're the ones wow. who do it, it was like... It was like chills just went down my spine talking about it because it was like mind blowing. It was like how how do you do that? Like you're you're so scarily talented. Wow. Yeah. Very very cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Well, okay. Well, why don't we pause a little bit and and maybe focus on that '70s show on the room a little bit and tell me sort of how an episode was constructed um, from start to finish on that show. I can talk to you about one of my one of my favorite stories that how we kind of came up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a story about one of the writers on the show, Dean Vitale. He pitched this idea. I guess his dad, I think this, I, I may not be remembering it precisely, so I don't want anybody calling me going, that's not how I said it. But I think it was along the lines of his dad got drunk and came home from, from like a, um, an auction at like mm-hmm. the VA center or something. Like, and so that was, and so he told the story. And I guess the guy had won, his dad had won something that he, he didn't want. Like oh, he, the guy, no. he was like, I don't want this. And so that became a story about how um, so he, he told this story in the writer's room, and we turned that into a story that Red goes out and gets drunk at, you know, like, you know, the VA or the VFW or whatever the veteran association that he belonged to. Uh-huh. And there's like an auction, and he wins a canoe. And <laughs> he, puts, he puts the canoe, yeah, it's hilarious. He puts the canoe on top of the Vista Cruiser, which is the car. Uh-huh. and brings it home for Eric. And he's like, Eric, I got you a canoe. You don't, don't ever say I don't get you anything. And he was like, we live in Wisconsin. <laughs> where am I going to, where, it's winter. What am I going to do with this canoe? And then Red gets really angry at Eric for not wanting this canoe. And then Kelso ends up stealing the canoe and doing like, you know, absurdly Kelso type things with it. And, it's, and it turns out to be a really funny story. But, uh-huh. but a lot of the times it's like, you know, a writer comes in, you know, this funny thing happened to me when I was a kid or one of my friends or my little sister is going through this right now and pitches that idea. And then you take kind of pieces of it and weave it into the stories that our characters could, you know, legitimately experience. Mm-hmm. And then kind of like then take it to like a crazier level, like with the Kelso taking the canoe and attaching it to the back of his truck. Mm. And as a multicam, I'm guessing it had pretty crazy hours you know what's so strange is that it did not oh really so it was really kind of there are a few multi-cams out there like will and grace and raymond and 70 show that did not have crazy hours which Mm -hmm. just goes to show you you can ride a multi-cam and not work till six in the morning but we had a motto i think it was along the lines of like that 70 show for eight years speed over quality (laughs) like for eight years straight but um no we had a really good group and Mm -hmm. who knew the characters really well and we didn't actually, we were, we were out of there sometimes at four o'clock in the afternoon. But you still had the same kind of schedule, right? Like you start the w- week writing and then by Friday you got your live taping. Yeah. So Monday was, yeah, Monday was the table week, the beginning of the production week. You have rehearsals all week long. And then Friday we would, uh, we would tape um, into the evening. Now was of course the, the one night where you worked late, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like a fun environment. Um, a lot of shows, a lot of multicams actually during tape night, it's like they, you know, are constantly rewriting jokes if the audience doesn't laugh and they're like, you know, pulling their hair out. All the writers are huddling after scenes trying to make a joke funnier because the audience didn't laugh. But mm-hmm. I don't know if our jokes are funny or we had drunk audiences. I don't know, but <laughs> we, did, we did very little rewriting uh, on stage. Yeah, we really lucked out. So looking at your IMDb after South yeah. Park, you did a TV movie single with parents? 
No, that was, I don't know why it's listed on IMDb. I saw that when I was sending it to you. Um, that's Kristen Newman's uh, pilot. Oh, 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 right, right. Kristen told me about that. It was because it was it was produced, but it was never aired as a series that they called it a, a TV movie. A TV movie, yeah. yeah. So she put together this great room of really fun comedy writers, and we had we'd written like seven episodes, I think, and NB, or ABC ended up uh, pulling the plug. So before we even started, I think we were like a week away from shooting wow. the, the series. Um, so that was kind of a crazy situation, but that's just part of the business where you go to work on a Wednesday and they're like, you don't have a job anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Which is always great right before the holidays, you know, to have that happen. But yeah, so that was my, that was single appearance. Hmm. Okay. And after that, there was a little bit of a, a, a gap on IMDb. Uh, there was a, a short, uh, The Tweetmonger, which you also acted in, and then uh, it comes to Drop Dead Diva. So maybe tell me a little bit about that time. Yeah, so that stretch of time was I wrote a pilot for Paris Hilton mm-hmm. um, MTV. So a lot of times you have like periods where you're not on staff, but you are selling projects and yeah. developing and writing, and you're just kind of having to keep generating new material, um, even though you're not going into an office every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something you have to get used to. But I, so I, I wrote a pilot with Paris Hilton where she was a superhero. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, and also Stan Lee was attached. I think Stan Lee has this thing where he basically tries to turn everybody into a superhero. He did it with, like, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> Anderson. I, he did it with Paris Hilton, but MTV ended up not producing the pilot. Uh-huh. Um, and I think he was doing it with Arnold Schwarzenegger before all that nonsense went down, went down in his personal life recently. But wow. it was a really fun opportunity. Uh, it, was like, it was, like, one of my first pilots that I wrote. So it was a really unique opportunity to work with like a big star um, or a big, you know, a personality and write that. So that was really fun. And then I I also sold a pilot to Sony uh, that I wrote. It was like a half hour, you know, single camera about a girl who goes back to her hometown and, you know, has to, I didn't really reinvent the wheel there, but a girl who goes home and has to deal with all the people who that she grew up with who still live in the town and have never left. Mm. And that sounds a little bit like yeah. Heart of Dixie. It does sound like the Heart of Dixie, actually, but mine was in the hour, uh, half-hour form. But no, it's based on I when I went back for, so I guess like Christmas of 2007, mm-hmm. the, uh, the writer's strike was like, we were deep into the writer's strike. Yeah. And I went back, and my sister had just lost her job. And so we were like in our childhood bedroom that we shared and she was like, oh my God, what, what wouldn't it be funny if like the two of us had to move home like in our thirties, like moving <laughs> in with our elderly parents wow. in this small town that neither one of us live in. And so I was like, that's so funny. Oh my God, that's my worst nightmare. I'm going to write a show about it. So it's basically like, you know, that experience because my town is so small where everybody, you know, I go home and I know every single person who still lives there because everyone I went to high school with now is like the townspeople. Uh-huh. Very, very cool. Yeah. Sounds fun. Frightening. It's a frightening place. Yeah, cool. And then came Drop Dead Diva. So why don't you tell them, tell me a little bit about being staffed on that show. Yeah, so um, I had met on that show the first year it came out, and they were going to make me an offer, but then who knows what happens with that kind of stuff. And so it didn't happen. And the second year they met with me again, <laughs> didn't make me an offer again. And so last year they finally were like, they just called and made an offer um, and it's such a, it's such a fun show. And what I love about it is, first of all, it's a way for me to kind of stretch my writing skills. It's an hour long mm-hmm. and it's a dr- legal dramedy, you know? And so I, having not gone to law school, um, 
it had a really steep learning curve on how to, you know, like construct the scenes and what you need to say. And um, there are there are lawyers on staff who who can help you. They're TV writers also, but they're mm. lawyers, and they can help you craft the the dialogue and the language and in in a, in a realistic way. But I had the real joy of writing an episode this past year where it was um, two girls wanted to go to prom together. They're a lesbian couple, and their high school said no. And you know, Jane, the main character, takes it on and fights for the civil rights of these two girls that are being violated, mm-hmm. inspired by the Constance McMillan story in, in Arkansas back in 2009. Yeah. And so I wrote the script. We got great guest cast in that week. So we have like Wanda Sykes ended up being one of the judges, Clay wow. Aiken, Constance McMillan, the really? actual girl. Wow. She was like, she was a, an extra. She played a featured extra as a bailiff. I made a beers. And so it was just like this amazing cast for the, with this amazing story. And, Lifetime ended up, uh, they have an outfest every summer in Los mm-hmm. Angeles for the gay and lesbian community, their film festival. And it was, you know, featured, my episode was featured a week before that I was supposed to air, that Lifetime sponsored it, which I thought was so great. Wow. And they had a panel, yeah, they had a panel afterwards. It was just like, you know, and it was written about all over the press. And, you know, I just was like really proud of it. And I'm hoping to win a GLAAD award. <laughs> you might be talking to a future GLAAD award winner. <laughs> very, um, very cool. You know, reading some of the the comments and 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 seeing and meeting a lot of these people, these people who've been affected by this type of this type of hate and, and bigotry, it's probably one of the proudest things I, I have in my my professional career. I just I was so proud of that episode and and being able to if to to start that conversation in families throughout the United States that you know it's okay to be different and I don't know I just loved it. I was I'm really proud of it. Very, very cool. Well, congratulations on that one, and, and hopefully there will be even more accolades coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, so does that take us up to the present, like you're still on that show? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, maybe we can change gears a little bit, because I know that you also run a website called tvscriptdoctor.com, and I, I read through the website, yeah. and, and I really like a lot of the things you say there. Why, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do? I offer services to like up-and-coming writers or current writers to read their scripts. I give a really thorough analysis of with plot and tone and the world and characters. You know, after reading their script, I give them a really thorough analysis. Not only do I go overview, I give a whole overview of the script, but I go page by page. I'm like page one, you know, fix this, page two, and I'm I'm a little bit neurotic about it. I I go I get a little bit too passionate about what I do, but. Um, <laughs> And then what happens is I give I get on Skype or if someone's in Los Angeles, the writers in Los Angeles, I'll sit down and meet with them for an hour and we'll go over the notes and we'll answer any questions. And, and in a lot of ways, we, we create like a little bit of a writer's room, like a mini writer's room where the two of us are trying to come up with ways to fix it. And we just kind of spitball um, and uh, kind of work off each other. So that's really fun for me, too, because I, I like working with up and coming writers. And then what happens is they'll do a rewrite and then they'll send me the next draft and I will do written notes for them based on the, yeah. And so, um, and what I like it about it is, is like, you can give your script to a friend, uh, you can give your script to an agent, but it's really a writer who knows exactly, you know, what, what the motivations are, what makes a script work, what makes it doesn't work. And so you really want to kind of turn to another writer to be able to give you that feedback. And because we do it every day and other people read scripts, but we are actually in, you know, in the war together in the trenches. I really enjoy doing it because I just feel like a lot of people who don't have my experience have a lot of questions and they just don't know, you know, maybe they're from, you know, Florida and they've been thinking about being a TV writer. And I just, you know, I would love to talk to somebody because I didn't have anyone to talk to when I first started out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, 
you know, I get emails from people in the UK who are who want to get a summer internship in Los Angeles, and I will actually email them back and have a conversation with them. So I just like to kind of help people because that road, I, I had to forge it myself, and it was hard, and so I'm happy to like kind of reach out and help people get to, to become a Hollywood writer if that's their dream. Mm-hmm. So is it predominantly pilots, or, or would people also bring you their specs? Uh, w- w- what kind of stuff would they bring to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I read the gamut. I read pilot scripts. I read spec scripts. I read features. I have a client in Florida who I've read this feature three times. The rewrite just keeps getting better. And I get, every time I read it, I get more excited because I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is getting there, you know? And so it's just like really fun for me to see the evolution as I'm sure it's fun for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, you know, if a, if a person's going in for a pitch and they want me to look at their pitch, you know, a lot of times if you, if you haven't gone into a network or worked with a production company, you don't know what a pitch looks like and you don't know what elements that are you know, required essentially Mm. to, you know, in a pitch. And so I will look at your pitch and I'll, you know, give you, I had one client who gave me a three page pitch like a month ago and I gave her five pages of notes. (laughs) I'm sure she was like, what? (laughs) But, um, and last week actually I did something, this is like the craziest thing, but I have a person who hired me to listen to their stand up comedy routine and I worked with them. It was like hilarious. It was like a Thursday afternoon. My apartment was bright as day. There was no two drink minimum. It was like, I was like, what if I don't laugh? Like, this is really awkward. This is not a, like a comedy club setting. And we worked for two hours and we just like went through all of her jokes and, wow. you know, kind of, kind of created like her persona because she's just starting out and trying to figure out who, who she is, like who her voice is as a comic. So hmm. that was really, really fun. And I'm going to see, I'm going to go see the routine next week or no, on, on Thursday. So, very, very cool. Yeah. And, and, well, you know, it, it makes sense because... TV is uh, is written collaboratively. It, it's not written in a vacuum. Um, things are are written in a room. Uh, the stories are broken in a room, and as well when they when the scripts come back to the room, they're punched up together with other writers. And so it doesn't make sense when you're trying to compete with that with your spec or your pilot that you wouldn't also collaborate. Yeah, no, it. I mean absolutely. I mean that's I think I even say that in my uh, blog. It's like that's that's how we all learn and that's how we make our script better. And I think a lot of people um, are under the impression, and this is typically a, like, a, like a new writer uh, mistake often, is that, oh, I wrote my script, it's done. And it's like, it's never done. It always can get better. And I've, I've worked with writers, even professional writers, who will like, if they have 10, page, 10 words on the page, they will fight for nine of them, you know, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my gosh, it's part of the rewriting process. We're all here. We're all trying to help. Next week, my script's on the chopping block. The next week is another writer's like, you know, but it really is, it really does improve tremendously. You know, I mean, I think if you even read like a Harvard MBA study about, you know, like the ideas, actually, I think there's like, well, I won't go into details, but I think there's like all these studies where um, if you went out to the wilderness and only had five things to survive, would you survive? Mm-hmm. And then if you went out with four other people, and had those same five things, would you survive? And the, the group is more likely to survive than the person who's out there by themselves. So huh. that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Very, very cool. So as a script evaluator and creative consultant for the Warner Brothers Writers Workshop and the Disney ABC Writers Fellowship, that must have taught you some things. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. When I started reading the scripts, I kind of got a better understanding of like what people tend to miss when they are writing a script. And then what, what really kind of stood out to me as something that really was an element that was like vital when you're having a pilot or mimicking someone else's voices in their first spec script. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and so so obviously, in the nature of any anything like this, where you're evaluating scripts, there's a reject pile, there's an accept pile at a bunch of different stages of the process. And I imagine, yeah. just like with anything, there's a bunch that are just nowhere near what they need to be. But there's probably also a bunch that could almost be, but still end up in the reject pile. I imagine that you could work with those and get them to the to the accepted pile. What do you think? Of course. I think writers need feedback. So mm-hmm. any script that's about, I forget what the scoring was for the ABC Disney Fellowship, but there were some that were like two points away from going into the second round. And so those scripts, absolutely, like if, if someone like myself, like a script consultant could come in and just kind of give them, go through the script with a fine-tooth comb, which is what I do, and give them some feedback, mm-hmm. they could get the script to where it could get into the next round easily. I mean, you know, when you're a TV writer, you give script notes on a daily basis. So whether that's like, we want to be your friend who has a script, or you're sitting in the room and every single day you're like flipping each page, like number, you know, page number three, I think this needs to change. Page number eight, this joke would be better. Page number 12, let's make a cut here. And so you're doing that constantly as a TV writer. So for me, I learned a lot about my craft just reading those scripts because I could see glaringly obvious things that could be changed and made that script better. And so mm. had that writer, you know, made that those changes, they could have, they would have been moved into the next round. Mm-hmm. Well, could you give me some examples? Like what would be, uh, say for instance, a particular thing that might make a script end up in the reject pile? And, and by contrast, what is something that stands out in a good script? One thing that I've noticed time and again, and when I'm working with clients, they'll totally admit to doing this. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be like, did you do this? And that would be, they had a great idea. And they had some characters in their head, and they just sat down at the computer and just pulled up Final Draft and said, fade in, and started writing. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's very obvious that, that the story, usually you have a great beginning, and mm-hmm. you have a great ending, but the middle, you don't have. You haven't figured it out. You're like, I'll figure it out when I get there. And so I think not, being, not having taken the time and in a thoughtful way putting together an outline and broken the story up as, you know, because most TV scripts, you need an A story, a B story, and like a C runner. And mm-hmm. so it's obvious that they haven't sat down and said, okay, this, the A story, this is the beginning, this is the middle, these are some of the things that are going to happen in the middle, and then these are the events in the middle that lead to the end. And doing that for each of the story, and gone through with a fine-tooth comb and been really thoughtful about it. And I think, you know, on Drop Dead Diva, we do that. We do a, like a 18-page story document. Mm-hmm. And we have the entire... A story, all in one piece, broken up, and then B story, all in one piece, and then C story, all in one piece, and then the next stage is the outline, and then we intermingle all the stories, you know, Mm. in the scene. And so that's the way that you can really, you know, take a look at your whole A story and say, okay, this works. And so my advice would be, because ultimately I will work with writers and be like, did you not, you know, do an outline? They're like, no. And then to have to go back and do it while you're already married to a lot of pieces of your script is a lot more challenging and mm. takes a lot of time. And so the thing is, at the end of the day, at some point, you're going to have to do it. It's just a matter of when you do it. And if you do it beforehand and before you get into the script, it's going to be so much less painful. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, and no television is written in a vacuum. No, 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 no. I mean, on Seventy Show, we had 13 writers and we like, you know, went through it scene by scene and we would put up note cards, and each note card was a different color to indicate the story. Like, you know, the, the A story would be pink. Mm-hmm. And that note card would be put up, and we'd break it out on a, you know, a cork board, 
And uh, there's also dry erase boards that we used on Diva. And so, yeah, it was, you have 13 people contributing on it. So, you know, writers need feedback. That's what I'll always say. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, writers know what, what is missing and what needs to be in a script. And so you should always turn to another writer to kind of evaluate your story. Even in this, even an outline phase, send it to somebody who knows story and to say, what do you think mm-hmm. this worked? I, I always do that. All my friends do that to me. Even in the outline phase, because you can catch problems that can be easily resolved there, that cannot be resolved, that will take a lot more work to be resolved when in the script. Yeah. Well, and, and, it's, um, and it's ironic that so many people who are trying to break into the industry, they're writing pilots and spec scripts, and they're really writing them like features. They're not writing them like the TV process that involves so much feedback and so much accountability. Yeah, I mean, any any spec script that's, that um, I've written or any of my friends written, that even if I'm writing a spec script on my own in my office, I always have someone, I always have like three writers look at it mm-hmm. um, at various stages, you know, and I have different writers who in my head, I have like, this person's going to look at the outline, this person's going to read the first draft, this person's going to, you know, read the, the third, the second or third draft, and this person is just going to give me jokes, you know, and, and everyone does that. And so I think it's, it's a really important part of the process because you would never like take a, a put a pie in and take it out halfway through and be like, I'm going to serve this to everybody. You never want to <laughs> give your script to, I could, I would never give a script to a show, my showrunner. I mean, mm. even Josh Berman on Diva is like, I want other people, once you finish your draft, I want the other writers to look at it. Mm. And so it's just a way to make it better. You're making the product better. And why wouldn't you want to put the best product out there? Mm-hmm. You know? And so on the other end, when I'm evaluating these scripts, whether at TV Script Doctor or if I'm just reading it for the fellowships, one thing that stands out to me that like delights me to no end, because I just love writing, is mm-hmm. um, characters. Yeah. So... If I'm reading a script and I can tell that it's like hit it out of the ballpark, if I can if I can cover the name of the character and read the dialogue and just based on the dialogue, I know exactly what character is saying it because the person has created a character with such a clear point of view. Mm. That that's a huge sign, yeah. and that's some someone who's been very thoughtful in their character development and in their dialogue development. That. Yeah. Um, and so, like, for, for like, on Friends, you could, you could go through that script, and you could cover every single piece of dialogue and flip through that script, and you could you, – I know a Monica line. Like, I know that character so well, I know a Chandler line. And that's – Chandler is the only character on the show who can say this line. Hmm. And, uh, and on 70 shows, same thing. A Kelso line is not a Fez line. It's not a Red line. It's a Kelso line. And if I cover that, you know, name of Kelso and I read that dialogue, I know that Kelso, that's a line that's been written for Kelso. So – if you can go through your pilot or you can go through your, your feature and, um, and do that and, or have a friend do it, you know you've created a character that's really like crystal clear in the minds of the audience that, that they are very familiar with that character and you've done a really good job doing that character development. And, that, and I, I get really happy when, I, when that happens because it's just like this character has such a clear point of view. Hmm. And, and actually, they're just, just like you might do in a feature – when you're a- adapting stories, that's often something you have to do. You take multiple characters and you maybe just combine them together to make one. If you have two or three characters that are in, a, in that are sort of speaking in the same voice, maybe they could be just one character and then create a different character that contrasts that one, right? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. If you have three characters who are like basically the same person, you want to just combine those into one and then use that real estate or use that character real estate for a different character with a different point of view. Like... I always say, like, I hate people who show up late for things, but mm. and my mother really hates it. And then I have a friend who always shows up late. And so each one of us have a different point of view on sh- 
the, the simple action of showing up late. And if all three of us had the same point of view, that's not an interesting conversation, you know? Hmm. Um, and so, like, you have fr- – just steal from your friends. I steal, steal from Thanksgiving dinner. Uh-huh. Every person has a different point of view sitting at that table. Yeah. Steal from Christmas. Steal from family gatherings. And that's where unique character traits really manifest themselves. And I just steal from – I mean, I steal from my – my mother is in every single one of my scripts. Uh-huh. Like, her voice is so unique. Um, and her point of view is so different than anything that I've ever seen out there that uh, I'm always incorporating her voice into a character. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, character creation and really inter- and not wacky point of views. Like, not like, I'm going to jump off a bridge and not have a parachute. It's like that moment of the being late. It's so relatable. To hmm. We, we can all the audience, everybody can relate to that. And everyone has a very, have very, you don't talk about it necessarily, but everyone has a point of view on people who show up late yeah. for things. And, uh, and those are real moments that, that happen to us on a daily basis that the audience can relate to. Well, that's a, that's an interesting point because I know Seinfeld was an amazing, amazing show at taking just regular ordinary stuff. And, and yet it was so relatable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly. All that stuff. That's why I think it identified so much with people because it's, it's, but it's so small. So I don't know how well Seinfeld would be, would be appreciated now, but it's those small moments of waiting for a table or having someone not write you a thank you card or, you know, having someone shush you in the movies. It's mm-hmm. like those things happen to us on a daily basis. And those, and we all have opinions about it. We may not be vocalizing it, but we all have thoughts about it. So those moments are so relatable. And that's what I love about characters who kind of like verbalize what they're thinking. Very, very cool. Well, and so I, I mean, one thing I love about what you're doing now is and there, it's not that there's no script consultants in TV, but there's certainly a lot more in features and not as many in in television um and uh, and so somebody could go to your website say you're writing a spec or a pilot and you've you've got a bunch of breakdowns of different services that you provide there at tvscriptdoctor.com yeah so i mean there's a whole bunch of things that i can work with you so and it's not just i also work with um feature writers um i have mm-hmm. like person in israel you know who's like yeah. english isn't even their first language so for both sides i do everything from like i'll read your script give you really, really thorough notes, basically overall notes like the tone and character and plot and stakes and structure. And then page by page, I will literally go through and be like page one, page two. I mean, my notes are like five pages long. Mm. Um, so, and then what I'll normally do if you're in Los Angeles, I'll, you know, I'll meet up with you at a coffee bean and spend an hour with you and go through those notes. If you're somewhere around the world, I hop on Skype and we have great sessions. And it's really kind of fun because as we're going through it, we create like a mini writer's room where we mm-hmm. like kind of bounce ideas off of each other and then we build on each other's ideas. So it's just kind of fun because I love constantly being like creating and kind of being in a writer's room and having that feeling. And then normally for one of the packages, then you go off, the writer goes off and rewrites the script. And then I read another draft and then I give written notes kind of, you know, again, thoroughly going through it um, and not verbal, but just the written ones. And you get a really kind of full sense of like what works, what doesn't work, what needs to be, you know, be taken out or tweaked um, or completely rewritten. Mm. But I also do, um, I think another thing that people don't know a lot about is like pitching. So, you know, until you get into the, so I also read people's pitches. And I give them notes on that. And I think until you actually have gone through the process, you don't really know what elements or what pieces of the puzzle need to be included in a pitch. And so while everyone has a different TV show idea, pretty much everyone pitches a show the exact same way. Mm. I mean, I've worked with 
I've worked with DreamWorks. I've worked with Sony. I've worked with Krasnoff Foster. I've worked with so many production companies and gone into all the same networks Mm -hmm. and, you know, like NBC and CBS and all the big ones. And every single production company, doesn't matter which one, you have that same format. So there are elements that need to be included and there's ways that you can kind of organically tell stories. And so I'll go through someone's pitch and be like, this, you need to have this. You don't need to include this. Um, and so I had one person who sent me a three-page pitch, and I gave them five pages of notes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure she was like, what? And then also, crazily, last week I did, um, I met with, I have a new client who wants to be a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. and she came to my apartment and did her stand-up comedy routine for me at, like, noon on a Thursday. And, again, we, I spent two hours with her, and I just worked with her on kind of, like, perfecting her voice, because um, every kind of every comedian has like a voice and like who, who are they? Who, what, mm-hmm. what box can I fit you into? And then her jokes and her delivery. And so I kind of, while I originally was just going to do TV scripts, I kind of run the gamut of everything. Mm-hmm. And then I also can, I have another service where I read your outline. And so you pay for like an outline and a first draft mm-hmm. and I read both and give notes on both. So it's been really fun. I love doing it. It's, you know, it's just, I love working with new writers. I love kind of recreating that TV writer room. And I love talking about TV. So when I get on Skype or I meet someone in person to sit down and go through the notes, I love talking about what works and what doesn't work in TV and pulling examples from shows that work and don't work. And it's just really fun. Hmm. Very, very cool. And um, all the contact information people need is on your website, tvscriptdoctor.com. And also you're on Twitter. I I know that because that's how we found each other. (laughs) <laughs> at TV Script Doctor. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, I know we've uh, we've gone um, to the end of our time here, but uh, thank you so, so much for taking the time and also just for offering the service to to writers. I know that the that the TV writing um, group is not a very big one, and so it's nice to know that there there are a few really talented people serving that that group of writers. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I also have um, a blog mm-hmm. where I talk about being a TV writer. It's at WordPress. So I think it's like tvscriptdoctor.wordpress.com. Very, very cool. Um, and I kind of comment on when I'm out when I'm out for the development season, I'll talk about pitching and sometimes how hard it is to create a, a character with a unique voice. And then when I'm on a staff, I talk about my episode filming. And so it's just a really fun place to kind of get more information about what it's actually like to be a TV writer. Very cool. Well, yeah. uh, I wish you the best of luck in everything you do, and have a great, great holiday. You too. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Yeah, I look forward to hearing great things uh, from your blog and, and, uh, and also on the new shows that you'll be a part of in the coming years. Thank you so much. Have a great cool. day. Okay, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Sarah McLaughlin. Don't forget to check out her website, tvscriptdoctor.com and also follow her on Twitter at tvscriptdoctor. You can follow me on Twitter at Gray Jones is my handle. And actually, speaking about Twitter, don't forget to go to tvwriterpodcast.com for the TV Writer Twitter database where you can find over 900 TV writers who are on Twitter. There's easy links to follow the whole list as well as you can search by show and find the TV writer you want to contact on Twitter. There's lots of other great resources on the website, including a huge database of free television scripts, pilots, Bibles, the works. Make sure you check out the resource links that are on that site and the handy DSLR page if you're interested in shooting your own short film as a as a feature piece. 
um, to break into the industry, or if you want to shoot webisodes, anything else, make sure you do check out that page. There's lots of great resources there. You can find the podcast at blip.tv slash TV Writer Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and certainly at the website at tvwriterpodcast.com. Have a great writing week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web.